Hello, everybody. Lots of you have asked what we were planning to do when we finished all the episode recaps. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. We've got some interviews and other fun things that we picked up in Australia, and those will be on this podcast soon. So don't worry. This isn't the end of the Miss Fisher Files podcast, and we are just so thankful that you've been listening. So please enjoy this final episode recap. Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. Hello and welcome back. Today we are talking Season 3, Episode 8, Death Do Us Part. The very last the one. The very last one. I can't believe we're here. I can't either. So it took us three and years. And here we are. Now we live in this dy- <laughs> dystopian hellhole. I, I know. I was thinking about what. Oh, what has changed? Yeah. What, what what my life was like three years ago. My kids were super little. It was a simpler time. It was a simpler time filled with hope and promise. <laughs> and uh, and healthcare. And I didn't, yeah, right. And I didn't, I didn't need, like I needed this podcast for very different reasons than I need it now. Yeah. So yeah, I needed it because like I needed to be my own person again. I was coming out of the baby years with my kids and like yeah. I needed to be a, a human who has her own hopes and dreams. Good job on that, by the way. Thank you. You've Thank done you. well. I think I have done I well. I think you've met that goal. I feel like I have. Yeah. I think I've excelled there actually. And now I have like sunk into that <laughs> world. You're going into the baby Duh. years. Don't worry. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Your light is like very it's a ways out but you will get there i feel like i went in with eyes really wide open and a good everybody around me was like we're gonna get you through this yeah so that's been super helpful good you know i i think it would be a different story and probably for you too if if you and i were 23 or whatever when we Wow. I can't even imagine that. I was an idiot at 23. I'm still an idiot. So dumb. Yeah. It's very good. I did not procreate at 23. Um, Yeah. I would have had more energy though. (laughs) So there's that. True. (laughs) I definitely see that as a benefit. Um, Yeah. Three years it took us. Yeah. Because we are very busy and very, you know, we have, we have full lives. We have irons in the fire. We sure do. But it's also good. I don't know. I feel like it's good to take that time. I I don't think this would be as enjoyable for me if we just kind of banged this all out in a yeah. week. And I mean, we also, I feel like because we've spent time together and talking about this, like our friendship has evolved yeah. and, and the way I critically approach things that I consume. I mean, I went to art school. I was taught to look at things with a critical eye, but I feel like I've honed that even more hmm. after having this podcast with you because I'm really looking for details when I consume books, TV, mm-hmm. movies, whatever. That's really interesting. Um, so I feel like that's kind of sharpened my critical eye a little bit, <laughs> um, which I think is a good skill to have. Yeah. And especially now we're so, we're so bombarded by everything. And I think it's good to have, I think it's good to not just take everything in like a sponge. I think it's good to process things mm-hmm. and take the time to think about it. And yeah, it's true. I, I think sometimes I am analyzing what I'm watching. Like, what if I had a podcast about this? What would I talk about? And yeah. And I think like story construction, um, choices in, you know, stylistic things that they've done or the construction of the piece itself is yeah. so much more 
it, I'm focusing on it more than I would have in the past yeah. because I'm used to dissecting these episodes yeah. and like coming up with things that we should talk about. So is this, is this what it's like to be like a movie critic for I a living? Wonder. I I mean, does that, that would ruin be, your right, no, does that ruin like, your ability to just watch something mindlessly right. and enjoy it? Because even I mean, I'm not a critic, but I went to school then learned to critique things and I have this podcast and I constantly am critiquing my own work. And so like, I have a hard enough time just Mm -hmm. watching something for the dumb pleasure of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, this podcast has been a pretty amazing thing. So, and the people we've met because of the podcast. Well, and you, like you said, like we, you and I get into some very personal territory as we're talking. And so I feel like now you're one of my closest friends. You too. And I wouldn't have said that three years ago. I mean, like we knew each other. Yeah. But but it's different. And yeah. Yeah. So that right there is a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. And we met Jojo. We met Jojo. Shout out to Jojo. I know. Yeah. I wouldn't know Jojo. I don't think if it weren't for this podcast. And so many of our internet friends that we've had the pleasure of meeting in person at the con. I know. And, and people reaching out to tell us about their own Miss Fisher project. Yeah. And I like that. We found so many kindred spirits, people who are like, they have to do something with this yeah. obsession and they put it into this creative labor of love. And and then seeing what else they do in their own lives mm-hmm. and their own projects, their interests, their whatever part of the world they live in mm-hmm. and how that shapes how they see things. Yeah. It's been fascinating. It has. The show has been a great litmus test for finding people that I will connect with very yeah. well. <laughs> it's sort of like if, if someone walks up to you and like, so have you ever read the Fountainhead? Like that right there. I'm like, you and I are not going to be friends. <laughs> I can just tell this. Yeah. I feel like this is the opposite of that. Like yeah. if someone's a big hardcore Franny Fisher fan, it's like you said, you said, you know, I would get in an unmarked van <laughs> with these people. Exactly. It's, they could tell me the plot line of season two, episode yeah. four. We're good. Yeah. I'm safe. I feel like that really is a good litmus test. Yeah. So far it's worked. Hasn't yeah. steered me wrong yet. So yeah, I've just, I've so appreciated the the network of people and the whole like fandom and the world around this show has yeah. become such an important part of my life. And it's like brought so much written, richness that I would not have expected. Yeah. And now in the past couple of years, three years, I've really needed that yeah. in a way. And, and it's, it's almost like a speakeasy. Me. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like finding your protected little, I don't know, your cave, your little, mm-hmm. your little space that you can be, you oh can, my God, I'm about to say safe space. <laughs> safe space. You can but retreat to that yeah, corner with, and with people who are in yeah, and, and understand you and will treat you well and, that's mm-hmm. so important right now. Oh, Miss Fisher fans. Yeah. I love you. Okay. So, I mean, I guess we could talk about this episode. Yeah. That is it's awesome. so funny. I feel like, okay, so what I always do for my notes is, and you've seen this, my messy handwritten notes that I can barely read later, <laughs> as opposed to your amazing typed up. <laughs> that I can never find things in. Well, yeah, but I have these column lists and there's, you know, menswear and costumes. I've got nothing in the costume. Oh, really? Well, I mean, maybe I guess Dot's wedding dress, but yeah. almost everything else in this show is something we've seen before. Almost. And yeah. talked about at great length. So yes. I didn't, I was like, oh, we've talked about that. Oh, we've talked about that. And so I just didn't, hmm. I didn't write it down. And then I get to the end of the episode and I'm thinking, what is going on? <laughs> she, every, everything we've seen is something we've seen before. Almost. Yeah. There yeah. are a few new pieces, yeah. but not that much. Yeah. 
So, so yeah. my notes are really, really sparse this time, but yeah. I feel like there's, I think the real thrust of this is not so much the nitty gritty details, but more the overall story, the arc for each character, mm-hmm. you know, where do we go from here? Yeah. That sort of thing. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead too far, like to the end, but, and I think we should talk more about the end, um, further along in this episode, yeah. but I think they do a really good job of structuring a hopeful end and like yeah. giving it so many different ways it could go. So anyway, I did jump ahead. I went right ahead and went to the end, but let's now back up. It's like dessert first. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's been many episodes since we uh, dispensed with the half-assed recap. It's true. Yeah. We kind of had an un- unsung death. <laughs> We couldn't even do a half-assed recap. A half-assed eulogy for the half-assed recap. <laughs> exactly. And this one has to do with the observatory. Scientists. Scientists. Fisticuffs. Yes. Mad priests. Mad priests. And radioactive substances. And that is the one thing that I kind of know a little bit about. Oh, yeah? Um. Yeah. So years and years ago, Jessica and I did a dead feminist broadside about Marie Curie. Uh-huh. And Marie Curie discovered polonium, which is the radioactive substance in this show. That glows. That glows. And it does glow. I don't I don't know that it glows that much. You'd have to get a, quite a bit of it. And polonium is a tricky substance because it, it has a very short half-life. Um, and I actually know this number because... The broadside that we did about Marie Curie, we always do a symbolic edition size. And our edition size for that was 138 because the half-life of polonium is 138 days. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So polonium (laughs) is forms an element. It's a radioactive element that's formed by the decay of uranium, I believe. Polonium is very unstable and it doesn't stick around. Hmm. And so it's hard to measure. It's hard to produce in any quantity. So I, I don't know. I kept thinking about like, God, they, that, they'd have to have a lot of polonium involved here um, to like make an entire observatory glow. I don't know. I hmm. um, An interesting thing about polonium is very hazardous to your health. Um, I don't doubt that what they talk about ingesting polonium. I'm sure it is very, very toxic. It's radioactive, blah, blah, blah. But one thing that is so interesting to me about polonium is that back in the atomic age in the 1950s, at least in America, we were so blasé about that stuff. They actually used polonium as a glow-in-the-dark paint on children's toys. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Including, um, and we talk about this in our Dead Feminist book. We actually we actually found a photograph of it and put it in the book. Um, the serial Kix. Kix has been around for decades. Yeah. Kix had a promo back in the 50s for a decoder ring called the the Lone Ranger decoder ring that you could send box tops in and obtain. And they made 750,000 of these things and sent them out. And it was this little metal ring on a metal, metal like atomic bomb looking thing Mm -hmm. on a plastic ring that you could wear. And if you peered into one end of it, you could see it flashing blue light. (gasps) And that flashing blue light was because it was painted with polonium paint. Oh my gosh. And they made oh, three quarters of a million of these things and sent them to children <laughs> around like you the United Yeah. And this is not the only toy oh that gosh. had that. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so there's a book called The Radium Girls mm. that I read. It came out last year, 2018. It's by Kate Moore. And it is 
basically this storyline because it's about the the radium girls who worked in the factory painting painting watch hands the yeah and how they, and they would, had instrument panels and things for this yeah, stuff too and they would keep their brushes sharp by lipping them like that's so great yeah Yeah. and i have done that with my paintbrushes sure right yeah and their supervisors were like don't worry about it it'll put a rose in your cheeks or something like they were told that it was really beneficial to their health they oh my god put it on their teeth so (gasps) that when they went out that night and smiled their smile would glow oh my god it's horrifying to read this book and they would get so covered in this dust that they would glow when they were out in the dance halls. And so they started wearing their best dresses to work so that those would get coated in the polonium so that they would glow when they went out dancing. That's so like, crazy. The whole thing is so terrifying. It also really addressed a lot about like uh, women not having that many opportunities to make the kind of money they were making. So, I mean, wow. there was strong incentive to work yeah. in these factories. Yeah. And they were also not being told the truth. Men, meanwhile, were being given like lead aprons and right. working with tongs when right. they handled this stuff. And yet the women were told, like, dip your brush into your mouth. Yeah. And, and apparent, apparently the U.S., uh, apparently the um, the Manhattan Project did experimentation on four people using polonium hmm. during this time. And I don't know. I couldn't find any information as to whether they knew what they were getting into or knew, you know, how much consent or inform, uh you know, guess not probably not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or like the nuclear testing they did in the American Southwest in the, in the fifties. And they had all this fallout in like Utah and Arizona. And And people would go on tours to watch the atomic bomb. Oh my God. It's, it's insane. Yeah. You could go, you could get on a bus from Las Vegas and drive up and watch them blow stuff up. I mean, it's, and then feel that blowback. Yeah. And that was like part of your adventure. And then meanwhile, like farmers and ranchers who lived, 200 miles east of there in Utah or whatever, we're getting, you know, the blast from the cloud right. of radiation heading just because of the prevailing westerlies. It's just, it's crazy it how crazy. blase I, they were about this stuff. This was one of the more gruesome books I have read because then it gets into, I mean, these young women, like in their early 20s, having these strange health problems. And of course, doctors aren't like giving them the time of day. Right. They're sending them home with aspirin. And then, I mean, their teeth are coming out. Like it is so gross that I can't, I don't even want to talk about what happens uh, on this podcast. It is that gross. So uh, if you have a strong stomach, read that book. If you don't, um, watch this episode because... And scream into a pillow. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, that's basically, spoiler, you don't survive. Wow. Yeah. It's bad stuff. But it was for real. This So this book came out in 2018, but it is essentially Agnes, who is the um, Ren, Logan Wren's wife. Yeah. Um, who dies because she worked in the watch factory. Yeah, and actually that there's a little clue in that early on in the episode, and I actually got it. I had forgotten. I knew Polon- I knew that polonium was involved in this episode because it stuck out in my mind, but I forgot exactly what the details were and who the perpetrators were. Like I had to kind of relearn all that stuff mm-hmm. from watching it, but I got that little clue, and then he showed at the at the beginning, he showed that watch, and it it had the little tiny dots on the hours, the hour slashes all the way around, they were glowing. And I'm like, that's it right there. That's the <laughs> you stuff. You were reminded of yeah. the whole, yeah, emotive. I, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about the glow, the benefits of having a glow-in-the-dark watch. Like, we, we take it for granted now. Right. But back in that day, that would have been a big deal. I think they were doing it partly for troops as well. It yeah, was they like also, a, they, a they painted thing. instrument panels like mm-hmm. on airplanes and, and stuff for you know, being able to use those, that equipment 
after dark. Sure. When you couldn't have a light on for because, you know, blackouts or whatever. Right. Anymore. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And if you aren't, you know, bothering to make sure that it's safe, then yeah, you're going to go to town and put it on everything you can. Right. Because it would be very helpful. Right. So, yeah. The watch. Oh, Remember. Man. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, just that that bit of Father O'Leary having the the handprints oh, on his, yeah. the chest of his cassock and the, you know his collar the is hand glowing. of God yeah <laughs> Father O'Leary's yeah. a dumbass yeah I really enjoy that um, Hugh explains science to him at the, yeah yeah and, but but I also call BS on that because of I realize that the time and place that this is taking place, and this is pre-Vatican II, you know, the Second Vatican Council and all this stuff, but historically, the the Catholic Church has not really been a science rejector. Wait. Not in the way... That I should, I'm going to caveat... I'm going to put a okay. caveat with this. Not <laughs> in the way that some, like the American low churches have historically been. Hmm. So not... Um, in general, they've not been literalists. They've not been, um, how do I phrase this? Like when Father O'Leary says, you know, God made the earth in six days. And even then, to, to my knowledge, they didn't literally believe that, that, that there was much more nuance and metaphor involved. So they, did they treat it like a parable kind of? I think so. Okay. Now I'm going on rusty... Catholic education and art history education here. But in general, the Catholic church is not a bunch of young earthers. You know, they don't believe the earth is 6,000 years old. Um, not like some of the, um, like, especially American, uh, Protestant churches do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I had a little bit of a hard time with that, with that scene. Maybe what I objected to, I feel like it was sort of that dumb Irishman mm. stereotype. Okay, yeah. I you can know, see like that. the Irish cop and the. Right. The thing, I think the thread that follows through with the Catholic Church and with many churches mm. is don't question it. Don't question oh, definitely. God. And that was yeah. sort of behind it. Like, just believe in the Bible, believe that God has, you know, whatever happens is God's will. Yeah. And so, yeah. so I feel like. Hugh's conversation with Father O'Leary, like you could have that. It's like, oh my God, that's what I have to do with my father-in-law. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. But I love Hugh's look, his like expression of kind of surprise when Father O'Leary gets it. Yeah. He's like, wait, so God made science. That's so <laughs> and Hugh, funny. Uh pretty much. I also love how Hugh is like, he's practically got like little bits like bookmarked so yes. that, you know because you know he's obviously not gonna he's not gonna try to have a battle of the bible verses with a priest yeah no don't but he's got a few like cherry picked ready to go mm-hmm. like as you can see as it says here so what that means is and it's just such a great little that is a wonderful little conversation yeah i also like the conversation that he and dot have with a gatekeeper who discovered the dead guy oh that i and that guy like they're wow. out there, yeah, yeah, thinking it's an alien. Which, I mean, in the 20s, if you saw something glowing, yeah. that would be pretty strange. It would be hard to explain if There's you didn't know. There's still all this stuff going... Like, did you see that thing floating around on the internet of, like, military people... Oh, yeah, yeah. Seeing... I mean, people are still seeing still UFOs. still seeing UFOs, like, like, yeah. I know. And, and still unexplained. Like, they're still, with all of our technology, unable to say what they are. 
and explain their existence anyway. Um, I kind of love that. I really love that there's still that mystery. Here's another thing I love. Super random, but kind of also in line. Um, Fireflies, scientists still do not know how it is. How they work? Well, how they are able to produce light that does not emit heat. Oh, I remember reading that some years ago. Yeah. I love that. It's like how they can't figure out how bumblebees can stay up. Mm. Bumblebees should not, should not be able to fly. That is a very good point. But I they can't. Really thought about that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, I love that these they questions defy all the laws yeah. of like aerodynamics yeah, and exactly. all that stuff. They that sure do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like these mysteries. Yeah. The world is a never ending source of mystery. Yep. And I'm pretty okay with that. Uh, so when Hugh and Dot are talking to the gatekeeper who is believing in aliens, and Hugh says, Was it a man? Like me, and oh, I know, or, or was a, it a woman like her? Yeah, <laughs> like he's talking to a two year old, <laughs> or probably less than two. It's very funny. Was it big or was it little? <laughs> Bigger than a bread box? Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was so a- great. Though, like, I'm gonna talk to you very slowly <laughs> and not make any sudden movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the guy was sort of not giving eye contact, sort of staring out to space, like. Yeah. Definitely in La La Land. <laughs> yeah. He was an interesting guy. Um, this has one of the more brutal attacks in it, like right at the start. Yeah. Eugene Fisher. The, it's a terrifying scene when he's in the hospital bed and the nurse turns her back and then he, he is sits. terrifying. He, he is, terrifying. is absolutely terrifying. Oh my gosh. And at the end of the, the last time we see him at the end of that episode, when he hits his head and there's like mm. blood coming out of his eyes, like that was horrifying. Yeah. It is. Scar you for life. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, Eugene terrifying. Fisher is terrifying. Yeah, so that actor, I looked him up because you and I had both thought we had seen him in yeah. something. He was in Bridget Jones's Diary. What? Way back in the day. Yeah, and also he was in um, the Chronicles of Narnia: The Dawn Treader, which I didn't. I didn't see it. Yeah, but he was also in Peter Rabbit last year, which I also did. Which not I also see. did not see. Who was he in Bridget Jones's Diary? He was. He worked in the art department or something. So minor. He was a minor character, but. I don't wow. know. He's got is he like bludgeoning face. people in the background. <laughs> no, he's so that he, was brutal. It was whole, brutal. He like I think it was a phone or something, and he whacks the nurse. The nurse who's like caring for him. I know has her back turned. Never turn your back on Eugene Fisher. Oh my god! And then the constable comes in and gets strangled. A yeah, la like garroted no practically. For old men. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's that. a movie I never can see again. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it was that level of brutality. I mean, shorter. Well, I think also but... what he has in common with that movie is it's brutality without consequence. Like it just no, mm. just completely cold blooded. Yeah, he seems like a psychopath. Yeah, like, he really has no regrets as he's doing this. There's His, like he has no no, no qualms about collateral damage and innocent bystanders and everything else. Like yeah. he will kill anybody, mm-hmm. and that's scary. And that's the same that's, thing with yes. Old, no Country for Old Men is terrifying because he just cold bloodedly walks around right. ran, randomly murdering people. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's the the kind of thing that keeps me awake at night. Yeah. Because otherwise I can like justify things. But yeah, that well, one you're like, you, you know, just like wrong all the statistics, place, wrong time. Yeah. Like yeah. you hear all these statistics about like the vast majority of murders are by someone you know. Right. Blah, 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 blah. But, but every once in a while. Yeah. Then there's this complete wacko. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's terrifying. Um, he's, he's a very terrifying guy. He's, I think he's scarier than foil. Because he is so ruthless and just like right. you said, like he does not care about collateral right. damage. Foil, foil was very like... He was very... He's got wacko beliefs, and so he's doing things, like, in 
He's like, very careful. In service of those beliefs. Yeah. Like he is He's not gonna randomly murder somebody at the grocery right. store, but but Eugene totally is. Like Yeah. No, Foyle is very intentional and very committed to his cause. And yeah. Eugene is just like I'm gonna I take don't care. You You're out. in my way today. Yeah. You're between me and this thing. So yeah. yeah, he's real scary. Yeah. So I'm kinda I'm glad that they left this brutality to the very, very end mm-hmm. when we kind of get a sense that, I don't know, stakes are higher because it involves Phryne and her family and her family's entire like estate, basically. Yeah. And so and I we f- finally figure out where the title and everything came mm-hmm. from. We just know that, you know, somebody died in the war and he inherited the title, but we didn't realize all of, you know, we're finally learning all of the unsavory nature of all of that. Right. And, well, yeah. And it sounds like many people had to die in order for that title to get to her father. Yeah. But Eugene was actually the next in line and he defected. And he, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there is rabid debate online about how accurate this would be or like mm-hmm. why you would make the choices that they made to hide Eugene or, you know, all of the choices that were made yeah. have been questioned and it is not entirely understood why the family chose to go this route, but there would have been consequences yeah. for Eugene back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Like he would have been imprisoned or right. at least. You and, know? And, and what happens in that case? If somebody who is an heir and inherits a bunch of money and everything else, then goes to prison for murder or whatever, or whatever it is, or, yeah. or Do desertion still- or... Are they still entitled are, to... Do they still ho- have their holdings or do they go to the <sighs> next person in line? I, I know. have a feeling they don't go to the next That's person in I line. That's what I would say too. I wonder yeah. if each family has its own little like I'm sure there's laws about... Explains, I mean, but oh, I'm sure yeah. there's laws That's about this true. because of, you know, laws of entailment and everything mm-hmm. else. Like hmm. primogeniture <laughs> and, all, and yeah. all of that. That stuff is very highly codified. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some light bullshit here. I mean, also the whole subplot with Eugene Fisher and Osman Effendi and here, take my teapot, take my nice teapot. (laughs) I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I hauled all of this royal teapottery to, well, they were Australia with me. They were on a fellowship grant. Like what? Like, I, I don't really care. Can't leave home without my teapot, my (laughs) royal teapot. I, I don't know. I know I take out mine of, everywhere exa- I go. Well, out of everyone I know, you would be the person who would travel with a teapot. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably not silver. Probably. And not stamp. Oh, it's, that, it's just odd. Yeah. There's some no. odd business there. They, um, I, I really, I do like the scene though with Franny and Jack when they discover Osman Effendi and he's playing that lute or whatever that thing is. Yeah. What? I didn't look this and up. It's almost like a citern. Yeah. It's got a name. Sit, wait, is a sitar? Is that a no, thing? No, citern is something different, but I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's Turkish. I've always felt like citern, citern, let me look it up. Okay. C-I-T-T-E-R-N is a citern, and it's like a, sort of a cross between a guitar and a lute. Yeah. But I don't know if that's what that is that he's playing. Okay. Um. Of course, I live in an old house with crappy internet access. <laughs> Boy, it sure looks like a citern. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, it's got like a bulbed. It's look like a to very it. large looking lute. Yeah. Um, I think that's. I think that's the right. That's my guess. Instrument. I have a. I have a. My husband and I have a friend who's a musician, and he plays a citern, and he. But he's in like a Irish. Um. 
he's in an Irish group. They do iron Irish music. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. The cittern dates back to the Renaissance. It's descended from the English guitar. So that seems odd if a Turkish person is playing it. I don't know. I'm not going to quibble. I think that you named the the right instrument. I think we can or at least category. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, as he's playing that, and then Franny shuts Jack up a couple different ways yeah. in that same scene, because he's talking and she hears his music and she does the finger on the yeah, lips yeah. thing, which she did in the previous episode at the beginning with uh, the photographer. Yep. And then as they get, they're watching Osman Effendi up on the balcony. And I do love how this was filmed and the actors and how they, how they did it, because she's standing slightly ahead of him. But she knows, she senses he's just about to call out. And so she like, whap, puts yeah. her hand on yeah. his chest to shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> it's so well done. That's great. Yeah. And he really, really does not like watching Franny flirt with Osman. <sighs> and has that great line. He's like, oh, good. Brilliant scientist, talented musician, dashingly handsome, and an Ottoman prince. <laughs> Aren't they always? I mean, I know. She, oh, well, we've talked about her taste not True. not always being consistent, but yes, in this case, I yeah. get it. So, <sighs> yeah, and she, but she's very good. Like when it is becoming clear that the person that she was flirting with is a possible suspect, she does back off. Yeah, you know, generally speaking. So sometimes it doesn't happen until after she's gone for it with them. Yes, Mr. Right. But she didn't know at the time. That's true. So, um, but okay. But then there's just the whole, there sure are a lot of colossal coincidences <laughs> of people that knew each other back in the war mm-hmm. and have this big history all s- coming together again on a completely different continent Yeah, over a murder. Yeah. A decade later. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Coincidence. I mean, Yeah. I mean, are there any, like, stolen paintings on that ship, too, from when Eugene got his life saved by, Oz, you know, Mr. Effendi and all right. this business? You do have to wonder. <sighs> Speaking of paintings, I've probably ranted about this before, but we got a good close-up of the teeny tiny Picasso on her wall, mm-hmm. and I just get so mad. So mad. You sure do. <sighs> <laughs> the pocket Picasso. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of coincidences, it is quite a coincidence that Dot knows Father O'Leary's, O'Leary's handwriting. So they yeah. had the... Yeah, how would she... Because When she, would you have the opportunity? She says, it's because of the church meetings or something. So I don't know when he would... Well, okay, maybe he's like on the She's blackboard. also an awful young person to be so heavily involved with the back end of the church stuff. Usually, but she's always been involved. I know, but I always, like, I could see her baking cakes and stuff, but doing all of the, like, minutes at the meeting, I, I thought know. that was more of, like, the middle-aged church lady job. I don't know. Maybe she rose through the ranks very quickly. I, I could see it. I don't it. know. I could see it in our dot. I'm <sighs> not sure. It was just, like, a kind of hashtag eye roll. Yeah, of course you yeah. know that that's Father O'Leary's yeah, yeah. handwriting. <laughs> <sighs> Whatever. I don't care. It's just like, it's like how Jack is the only detective in the entire city of Melbourne and Father O'Leary is the only priest, apparently. But there was the previous priest, the initial priest. Right. That wasn't her first priest. And so... Yeah, but they're going on and on about how Father O'Leary confirmed you and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I thought he he didn't. He like married her parents or something. I don't... 
I know. There was a switch over at some point, and they... The part of Father O'Leary will now be played by... <laughs> but it wasn't Father O'Leary, and it's really bothering me. I All I could think of is... It's 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 like Eleanor Rigby, you know, Father O'Leary. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I do love Father O'Leary, though. Yeah. Even though he is definitely a stereotype, he's very fun. He seems like the wrong stereotype. Like he he fell over and and ended up in a priest's outfit by accident. Like he should have been a a prize fighter or yeah, a, he should have been a, been a boxer. Know. Yeah. Yeah, we should have. I'm met sure him there's in- a whole backstory where he, he was a boxer back in the day before he went to seminary and all this business. Oh, what's this great quote? He says, "When a man insults the glory of God, it's time to let your fists do the talking." Of course, I hit him in the defense of God. <laughs> and I have to admire, like he's consistent. He's very guess, impassioned about this. I guess this. your omnipotent deity really needs a dude to go. The mattresses for you. I mean, he's he's got a mission there. He's not just doing it for <sighs> funsies. So I don't know. Should we move on to talk costumes? Sure. Okay. So you're right. We see almost the amoeba coat. Yes. Come on. I Come had on. totally forgotten that we saw it again. It's I like in a heavy rotation in this one. Well, I think it was only last episode that I was like, don't worry. We only see it that one time and never again. And then we see it again. And yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Alas. Um, the chiffon blouse that she wears through a lot of the episode is new. And yeah, it's actually right. kind of an interesting and slightly different design than we've seen. She's, I mean, it's got the scarf. So first yeah. of all, the chiffon has a pattern of kind of like a link. Like it's, it's like a very organic looking link pattern, like mm. chain mail sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on top of like a rust colored background. Yeah, and which rust? Uh, yeah, not my favorite color on her. I know, but there are. I feel like that's part of the palette of this episode. It's got kind of a rust to it. I don't know why I think that, but it's popping out in my head as that. Anyway, yeah. um, the neckline is really interesting on this one mm. because she has other chiffon blouses that have some sort of attached scarf right. that goes some which way that none of it is, you know, very, none of it's very practical yeah. ever. And it usually looks like it would be kind of a pain. Yeah. Um, but this one has like the scarf is long and narrow and it starts from the bottom of the V neck on oh, one right. side. And it's also got like kind of a white satin piping yeah. along the edge and it goes all the way up around her neck and then it becomes like a free floating scarf, but it's got like several layers going on like yeah it's almost like several several strands like you've got the chiffon and then you've got at least one maybe two strands of the satin it's such an odd i don't know it's like a amalgam of different things yeah it was really intriguing i'd yeah. love to see that one up close i yeah. looked through my costume exhibition guide and it's, it's not, not in, in there, there. Yeah. no because i was i really wanted to see like the actual detail and hear more about it because i've never seen anything like that before yeah so that link pattern actually, it's not costume related, but there's kind of a little tiny detail um, in the background of some of the scenes in the, the in the office the, the, of the guy who runs the place and gives mm. out the award, mm-hmm. the guy whose wife died. Um, there's a glass cabinet in there with some leaded glass that has this beautiful, almost honeycomb huh. sort of chain link slash honeycomb sort of pattern to it that's just beautiful. And hmm. I feel like it tied in. With the wardrobe somehow. Interesting. I, don't I hadn't know. noticed that. It could be just like drawing parallels that aren't yeah. there, but. No, I think it's entirely possible. 
I loved that interior. And they, well, they spent a lot of time in there and uh-huh. with some like, there's just a lot of really great furniture and like old packaging and stuff. The sconces. Uh, yeah. The sconces the, the are hallway. great. I was researching this to try to figure out what location they used to film. Mm. And I was so proud of myself because I found it just by looking at pictures. I actually Googled Melbourne town hall. Oh. I started there, but then it turns out it is Williamstown town hall, which oh. is Williamstown is a, a suburb on the Southwestern side of okay. Melbourne. And it's along the water and has some very expensive houses. And weirdly, I had just been researching it because I'm reading another Carrie Greenwood book from her other series, the Corinna mm. Chapman series, and they are going to Williamstown Beach several wow. times. And I was like, where is this place? And so I had just looked it up. And then it turns out it's that town hall that is used as the interior for this episode. Oh, now what about the exterior shots? Because there's some really great like stucco buildings and things. And, and I have we seen them before in other? Do you, are they on the grounds of the observatory? Yeah, that's the observatory, the Melbourne. Is it really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Because I I love I love those buildings. They're so they're simple and beautiful, mm-hmm. but they're just like the proportions are really lovely and yeah, that's yeah. really there. We actually so Jojo and did I you go. S- we did. We had a we got like our Uber or whatever to Ripponlea, and mm-hmm. on the way we stopped for just a quick photo op in front of the observatory, oh, which great. is just on the edge of um, the gardens, I think. And it's really close to like the Anzac Memorial building. Yeah. But yeah, we, we stopped and took our pictures in front of that. So that exists. It is there. That's great. Um, yeah, that's not what the interior looks like though. That's a completely different location. So yeah, yeah I know I sent you off on this tangent about buildings and things, but we were talking about costumes. Oh yeah, we were. Um, so yes, that that blouse is something new that we have not seen before. Mm-hmm. And she wears it for, I think, kind of the majority of the episode. Yeah. I think that's probably why I kind of just tuned it out because hmm. there aren't a lot of, like compared to the previous episode where there's so many different costume changes, yeah. there just really aren't a lot of changes in this one. I know. We got real spoiled in the last one. I know. I feel like each episode has its own sort of iconic outfit of hers. And I think we talked about this with Death and Hysteria, that it was that capelet with Mm. the circles Mm -hmm. is really like what I think of when I think of that episode. Mm -hmm. This episode, I could not come up with an outfit. All I could think of is a stupid amoeba coat. I I didn't even remember that she wore it again. (sighs) I guess the the thing that comes out to me is her canvas coat or the, what is it? Like a flax or... It's linen. Yeah, linen. It's almost quilted. Like it's got... Yeah, it's like that stitching over it, almost like quilting. That car coat, that duster thing. Car coat is a good worn forever, which I love. Yeah. It's such a practical item. But yeah, she wears that a lot in this one. I think because of the last scene, that's probably what I associate with this episode. But yeah, this chain mail or whatever, the pattern, like I did not remember that at all. And yeah, I, I think this one, this episode in general, like, I didn't remember a lot of the specifics because I'm just so focused on the fact that it's the last one. Yeah, and also I think the plot, like I, the like the relationships in this, I was so focused on that. Yeah, and especially Dot and Hugh, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, and Franny and Jack, mm-hmm. and like things are progressing finally. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's why I didn't have as many notes on this mm-hmm. one as I normally would. Mm-hmm. It's more like overarching topics than it is like detail. Mm-hmm. Although I have managed to find plenty of details to talk about, <laughs> as per usual. Um, another note on the uh, costume front, the black T-straps that she's wearing with 
while she, when she's wearing um, that blouse and her like normal ivory trousers, mm. I think they're ivory. I could be wrong. Anyway, the the black t straps that she's wearing with that outfit are fantastic. Mm. And I had to pause. You can barely see the pattern on them. It's a really. It's not even exactly a t strap. It's that style, but it's like there's more than one strap, oh. and there's some sort of like interwoven something or other going on. Like I really want to see those shoes up close because yeah. they looked amazing. Yeah. So yeah, the only other item of clothing that's new is Dot's wedding dress, yeah. which I think we definitely need to talk about. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of, um, I, I just have to say, I don't love 1920s wedding dresses. I think they're kind of unflattering. Is it because of the drop waist? Or yeah. What? And they tend to have these, I keep thinking of the queen mums. Wedding dress, which I think really didn't work on her. I I have to admit I do not know at all. I'm gonna what find that it. Looks like. She's got this kind of, and I feel like I love that. You I know, feel though. like dots has some some things in common with this that, like the way the veil works and mm. the drop waist. If I feel like dots wedding dress looks like she's wearing a beige sweater over a satin skirt. Really? Yeah, that's what oh, it feels like to me. I think it's lovely. The silhouette of it and the different layers remind me of, I think, clip art that I've seen from the 1920s mm. of, like, brides. And mm. it, it seems in keeping with that time period. And mm. I think Dot looks really lovely in it. I I think she... in I think her face is lovely. Her hair is lovely. <laughs> I don't know. Her silhouette, too. I think... I just, yeah. There's something about that dress that I don't huh. like. I She has worn drop-waisted things in the past and... We've not been necessarily a fan of that style, but I, I yeah. don't know. I think it really works with this one. I found the Queen Mums. Oh, yeah. It looks almost medieval, and it's almost like a crocheted lace veil. Oh, it's the um, she looks Mantilla like a, style? Yeah, and I I don't think it works. Really? I think it yeah. makes her look like a like a Interesting. matryoshka doll. Like, it just... <laughs> I don't know. It does look kind of medieval. It does have like a robe like that. Like yeah, and look she's got it. the waist of the dress. For I thought she's got a slight drop waist on this thing, and then she, then she's got this very Joan of Arc-y <laughs> stripe running down from the it is from the waistband. I I don't know. It was a different time, but Dot just looks so beautiful, and. She's she, she definitely has the whole radiant bride thing going, mm-hmm. which is lovely and inspiring. And <laughs> that's my son sucking on his fingers Aww. in the microphone, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that's gonna pick up. Yeah, sorry, buddy. You got to make your mark. Um, your first podcast, baby's <laughs> first podcast. <laughs> well, I guess he there was that other one when we recorded. That's like, true. Three feet well, from he his is crib. a boy after all. <laughs> Right. If you heard, have you heard that joke that no, you know, like a a group of geese is a gaggle, a group of white males is a podcast. Ah, no, <laughs> lol. I had L- not heard yeah. that one. That's very funny. Uh, yeah, um, but everyone's looking really great at that wedding. Yeah, including Mac. Yes, her, her waistcoat. Yes, is like a black and white brocade yeah. thing. Like it's a, basically a tux. She's awesome. I mean, she looks amazing. Yeah, Franny's gold dress. I love it. Yeah, it's spectacular. Like everybody's looking real good mm-hmm. at that wedding, especially for like a last minute. Yeah, thrown you together. Know, we're just gonna have elopement. this wedding at, while we're solving murders, kind right. of deal. Yeah, I mean they they had 
apparently they sent out their invitations to the real wedding and then Miss Fisher decides on a whim with I don't know. So I assume not the that best. they're still having the real wedding. I don't know. Are they still I mean, if the invitations have gone out, would they just I be like a, you know, people do that. People like do they that. elope they, like, or they go yeah. to the courthouse and then they have the ceremony after. They have a reception. Yeah. Maybe they'll just do a reception or something. I don't know. But they had to adjust the whole schedule because Miss Fisher decided the only way to get her father home was to fly him there, which I take issue with. No one ever expected that of her. She didn't need to do it. She could just, you know, wire her mom and be like, I've got dad. Our, also, Charles Lindberger, nothing. That's that's a long way to go in that tiny little so plane. So long. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that did not need to happen. Yeah. I am also just really irritated. I'm just like, are they, what are they going to refuel in Kandahar or something? <laughs> like, like what? Even just getting across Australia is going to take a while. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. I think, I feel like most Miss Fisher fans are like, but why? Yeah. <laughs> that was an elaborate setup for one it, kiss. Uh, yeah, it yeah. really was. So, okay, the telescope scene. I'm very curious to know your thoughts on this scene. If you have any. I don't actually i kind of i kind of my brain sort of skipped right over it what i i don't know i guess this i was just so like, like a... i don't know i was like chomping well champing it should be champing yeah. at the bit yes i was like champing at the bit to like let's let's get to the end scene wow yeah wait how many times have you seen this episode three times total <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay and it hasn't it's been a while yeah. since i last saw it yeah this is definitely not one of my faves I don't. This yeah. is not like a go-to episode. That's for me. part of why. So, and I think actually the second time I just sort of cheated and skipped to the good stuff. <laughs> what and the good stuff was the the wedding and the okay. and the end. That's funny. Confession. I find that's funny. No, the telescope scene. I it's very irritating to me in a whole bunch of ways, but it also is like kind of important because it sets the tone for the final. You scene. mean when they're like on the lawn? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At night and. The romantic overture. Yes. I thought it was kind of clunky. Yes. It is. Also, like, why do you have to say it's... Okay, I guess I, I, guess I do have thoughts of this. I, I thought you might. You have to coax it out of me a little bit. <laughs> why does he have to come out and say it's a romantic overture? I know. And then, like, I have to turn around grandly and stick my arm around. Like, there are so... Okay, it feels. Banter. I felt cringy. Yeah. I know. Well, okay. So their banter is one of the things I absolutely love about the show. And this like, is not banter. Is, this is like, now I am going to make a romantic overture. But in a really weird way by sort yeah. of pseudo insulting you, kind of. Like, I don't even, I cannot even decipher the comment about because you're, that's because you're not a telescope. Enough. Like, I'm stuck <sighs> on that. Like my, it's like my, my beach ball icon That's is so funny spinning because spinning I, pizza yeah, yeah i don't i don't cannot understand compute, cannot, this eh, eh. line and so i can't move forward but oh we're moving forward but oh we're moving forward so incredibly slowly that then of course nothing happens but then like, and then it's also then there's the cliche oops we're interrupted at the end but they're not it's her and that thing that was lying on the lawn was lying there the whole time yeah and she just suddenly sees it. Ooh. Like it's going to run away. Yeah. It's going to be there, Franny. It's Continue. like It's like my Carry beef with on. like running, running out of, you know, running towards this fence in the distance. And oh, then right. suddenly you run into the fence because you've run out of road. <laughs> like you had a whole field to change course. She had the whole night to go and investigate yeah. that glowing thing. Yeah. We didn't need to do it right then. 
we were actually making Awkward. forward movement yeah. on something that we have all been and waiting she has, for. How many other people has she shagged for far less? I know, but this is the big one. This is like the one that matters or whatever. Capital M. I guess. I that This is my headcanon. This is how yeah. I choose to approach it. But I so. mean, I, I said I guess because it's like, and that's... And that's how we launch this is this. Yeah. Yeah. And that is maybe I didn't so much. I think I just kind of blocked all this out because I was so, I don't know. I kind of, yeah. I think part of me like represses this scene because it does not go the way I want it to. No. At all. And especially since the end is so smooth. It's so glorious. Smooth as hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they, maybe they needed this hiccup to get out of the way. And Jack was so smooth in the last episode i know flirty mcflirt pants. Well, and he's still flirting but he, the thing he says is inscrutable makes no sense and is sort of kind of i don't know backhanded like yeah it's like not kind so okay yeah. so one at least one person has made the claim that the because you're not a telescope thing it means like he's saying that Friny is too close to the situation to be able to see the whole thing clearly um, which, okay, I think that's a very kind and generous spin on this. I guess. Very strange. But also, if you think about that, that also seems a little condescending. Yes. Because it's like, oh, you know, oh, don't worry your pretty head. You can't. You're too that, close to this situation. Yeah, exactly. I don't like anything about this yeah. line. And she says, like, is that supposed to be a compliment? Yeah. And More I, she of a says, romantic overture? Like, yeah. What? How? Did, yeah. How did we make the leap from how this is inscrutable that? comment that might be a compliment or might be a backhanded compliment to a romantic overture. It's, it's, How in the it's world? Like, on what it's planet? Like saying, you know, you forgot to bring the gravy out to the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> oh, is that a comp- more of a romantic overture? Like what? I know. These two things don't go together. No, they do not. Yeah. This does not compute at all. It makes no sense. And so it sort of like derails this thing that I have been excited for yeah. and wanting to have happen. I can't believe I just like forgot all of that. No, you I really did. It. I must've done. Yeah. Because then you're like, what do you think of that scene? I'm like, what scene? <laughs> that scene does not exist. Yeah. What do you mean? I guess it just short-circuited <laughs> all my wiring. You don't like to remember trauma. I guess. Line. I can't remember the exact line he says in Hysteria. But uh, yeah, I. so it's so clunky. It's so weird. It's so inscrutable. Finally, well, and actually her responses are what I really love. Because first she's like, is that supposed to be a yeah, compliment? Are we, are we like, doing this now? What? Well, she doesn't even understand what he has just said, and I'm right there with her. Like, yeah. What does that even mean? And then um, when he says, it's more of a romantic overture, she turns and looks at him and has kind of an amused expression like, is that the it's best like, thing oh. you can do? And also like, uh, so are we doing this now? Like, yeah. And also like, this is how you're this, choosing to do this? This is what we're doing? This is your line? Really? Really? And I'm with her. I'm right there with her. I mean, like, what? She was sitting on his damn desk with like practically straddling him in his office. <laughs> and he was like, go away. <laughs> I'm going to put the spider out. Right. On you. Yeah. And now we're like on a lawn in the dark looking for things. And what? I know. Yeah. His, I mean, the moment could have been very nice. They're under a starry sky. It's evening. Like I, the moment's fine, but his choice yeah, of but- wording and, and, it doesn't make sense. And then I love her, her responses though, cause they are exactly where I'm at. Like, huh? And really that's the best you can do. But then, then things start rolling because he responds in that like very low growly voice. 
<laughs> I'm rolling my eyes. Would you okay. like me to improve on it? And Franny's <laughs> That was good. Well thank done. Thank you. Thank well you. Franny's response is like actually very sweet because she turns and looks at him and almost with like tears in her eyes, she says more than anything. And yeah. she's very I love sincere that about that. It's yeah. so wonderful. Like she has been waiting for this yeah. the whole time. Yeah. As have we, I assume. And yeah, finally he, you know, start, he finally is filing that paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good metaphor because he would, because he he would would be the paperwork filing guy. (laughs) Yeah. File my paperwork. But it's just such a frustrating scene. And yeah. And she could have just let that thing. So, so that's also like, okay, so finally this is happening why does she then pause to go and investigate yeah, that stupid glowing I don't know. thing? We don't care about the glowing thing, Franny. Something else is happening here. Paperwork has been submitted. It's sort of Let's the equivalent to, like, if this were filmed now, her cell phone going off oh, and her totally. actually answering it. Yes. And everyone's you know? like, no. Like, come on. Let it go to message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's super frustrating. And I also feel like it's, uh, hmm, part, okay, I struggle with whether it's in character or not. Part of me says, no, she would keep going with Jack because she's waited mm-hmm. a good long time for him to make this move. But she also can't resist a mystery. Yeah. And here's evidence. And they've been looking for something. And also this thing's glowing on the lawn. And that would be, you know. And interest. also, but if it's been glowing on the lawn, they would have been, it's dark out. Right. They would have seen they it from across the it. lawn. I know. Yeah, it also does not make sense, just on that level alone. Also, this is random, but is she still deputized or not? No, she still has the pin, but she is not deputized. He removed that you, at the end of last episode. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he told her it's over because her she didn't read out her report the way she was supposed to. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, she loves a mystery, but that thing was there the whole time. Yeah. The whole scene. Very frustrating. It's like someone leaving a flashlight on in the field. Like you'd see that. You'd see that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So yes, wanted to get that out of the way. Okay. Um, Sorry, I can't believe I just like blanked on it. No, it's all right. I knew you. I knew you had opinions on it. Um. Oh. Also, this is such a minor thing. Her lipstick is really distracting to me in the scene because it looks kind of gooey. And like, yeah. I wouldn't want to kiss that. She's real pretty and stuff, but like, she's real pretty and stuff. And he's, you know, he's into her, but like, I don't know. That lipstick looks real messy. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. It's just that one scene. It's the lighting, I think, cause it shows the gloss. Yeah. And I'm just like, Ugh. Goopy. let's uh, wipe that off before we get going here. We need a little blotting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's some toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper. Blot. Oh my God. Um, okay. I guess we talked about the wedding scene. Oh, but you know what? My favorite part is not the wedding. Well, first of all, I love that Dot is like, let's just do this now. Let's just, let's just, she takes the bull by the horns. She has come so far and she knows it. She's well aware of it. And I love that about all of this. And I don't know. I love how happy she is and how like she takes charge, and Hugh is like, what, what? Does that mean we right. get to have sex tonight? Like, <laughs> I didn't even thought about that. He's like, oh, yeah. wait a second. Yes, yeah. let's, let's speed this up. Yeah, she's finally able to look past all of the ritual and the, the traditions. And, yeah, all of the and things And the that families are, that they've already yeah. been through, all the politics. Like all of the expectations that used to rule her life. Yeah. She's like, you know what? This Screw is my it. life. This is what I want. And she realizes that 
it, I think it's, I think it's reinforced by the fact that after, after the wedding, when they get in, they're about to get into the car and she turns around. The only person that she goes to see is Franny. She doesn't do the receiving line with all of them. She goes to see Franny alone. Oh, that line. This, the wedding scene gets me like, I don't want to cry, but it always brings a tear to my eye. And then that line, that line. Oh my gosh. Like last night I was like, (laughs) but I feel like that's where she takes charge because she realizes the, if she's going to have a real wedding with guests and everything, the one guest that matters to her is not her family. It's Franny. Yeah. And that's why. Well, and that's why they speed it up. That's yeah. why it just, it just cuts to the chase. Like yeah. everything else falls away. Ugh. So the line that she says, so they're about to get in the car to leave on their honeymoon. And she stops and goes back to where Franny is standing and says, when I came to work for you, miss, I was afraid of everything. And you taught me so many things and you made me brave and you made me happy. And it, I love oh, that. It's, oh, it gets me. Yeah. It's such a great line. And yeah. it's such like perfect culmination of her character. It's, you know, like really on the nose. It really mm-hmm. wraps up real tight. But I love that. And it makes me cry every time. Well, and plus just the, I don't know, like it, it so easily could have gone all Wizard of Ozzy where like, <laughs> you know, Sess and Bird are hugging her goodbye. And I think oh, I'll miss true. you most of all. But, but it doesn't. <gasps> that's true. Her mentor is Franny. She only has eyes for Franny. And I love that. That is a very good point. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, yep, it's clean. It's exactly what we want. And uh, it's the most meaningful relationship right there. Uh, I love that line. So one of the things I really love about the wedding scene and what Mm. I think really gets me all emotional is the music. Yeah. And it's done so well with those chimes in the background. Like Mm -hmm. you can envision like a cathedral's bells ringing and like... Very joyful. It's very joyful. This momentous occasion is finally happening. And especially, like, it doesn't feel like a thrown-together elopement-type wedding. Like, it feels like this is the wedding they always meant to have. It's beautiful. It's sincere. It's small. It's just, yeah, it's about them. Mm -hmm. It's not about the trappings. It's not about all the things that, you know, all the people you're supposed to invite, all that stuff. Right. It's about them. And all the nonsense they've been through with their families with, like, conversion and Catholic versus Protestant and all that business. I just, I love it. And that music is really wonderful. And I, I thought it was a really smart decision they made to carry that music on through to the next scene, which is the next morning, and Franny is preparing her airplane to fly far, far away. Mm-hmm. And it really, it starts that scene, and that scene, like, it's the final scene, and it's it's sad. Like, we're saying goodbye to this character that we love, and Jack she's is... she's so, still so breezy and yeah. joyful. And it, yeah, and that music, I think, plays a really big part in setting mm-hmm. the tone of, like, joyfulness, and this is not an end, this is a beginning, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's a really wonderful way to set that. And it's still comedic because her father is, like, bitching and moaning the whole time. Like, are you sure this is safe? And I I can just climb out? And Oh. Oh, you're trying to roll over. He is. Buddy, doesn't work that way. And that's kind of what her dad was doing in the airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I think they handled the music really well and used it to very good effect for this scene. So, and this... I mean, this is the final scene. Yeah. And so she's all ready to go. She's in the plane. It's already started. She's about to head out. And then she sees that car pull onto the runway. And I love it. Yeah. It's so good. It's, I mean, and it is in many ways, it's a tropey moment. We've seen this in other movies and I'm trying to think, of course I have zero, uh, examples to to share here but well but even the 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 previous scene with um you know the shootout on the on the runway in the grass with jack doing his own driving like it's reminiscent of 
that, mm-hmm. like the sweeping sense of it. And... Well, and I'm thinking like the, the frantic final reunion before one of the characters leaves. And, mm-hmm. oh, you know what I just thought of was Crocodile Dundee. Because she's oh. in the subway. No, he's leaving on the subway. Yeah. And she uh, tears off her high heel shoes so she can run faster. And she goes down yeah. in the subway tunnel. And people like... And they're like, what do you want, lady? And she's, I don't know, somehow explains like, that's the love of my life. I need yeah. to get to him. And so she like walks on people. Yeah. Is that... Do I... Yeah, yeah. Am, oh, we know. That's yeah. how that ends. Okay. So it's one of those scenes. <laughs> yeah. Not nearly as, you know, hilarious and dramatic <laughs> as that, but, but really, really sweet. And she, you can tell she's like very touched that he came to see her off. Yeah. And so, yeah, they kind of like run toward each other. And I think the banter in the scene is so much better. Mm. Like gets a, an A plus. Well, you know, the I bar mean, was really low before. The bar was low. They did set the tone, you know, like. They're reusing the same terminology of like romantic overture and stuff, but yeah. it's but it so works better. much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I kind of like it. Kind of was just like want, 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 want. Like hurry up, kiss her. <laughs> well, after you know that it's gonna happen. Yeah, and I mean, I knew because of Tumblr when oh. I was like starting my obsession and I hadn't yet watched this episode. Oh. I had seen the gif of this kiss. So <gasps> I knew it would happen. Yeah. I mean, spoiler. Was, yeah, but I don't know. I don't mind those kinds of spoilers. That's just fine. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's hope. I can keep plugging away on this and I will be rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen in this scene. And I thought the buildup was really, really good. I thought, you know, their banter. Finally, we're back on track and the lightness. And Just when she's about to leave. I know. I mean, that's what's so frustrating. Yeah. But it's also like, handled did, does so Does she well. have to leave? Can't she just like... She could have done a but million things. I have a question. Do they or do they not have telephones? Yes, she has one in her home. Can't she call her mom and say, he's yes. going to be a couple days late? Yes. Or had to put him on another boat because someone tried to kill him. Alternatively, could she not fly him to the original boat? And yeah. And dump another, him. Another port of call. Yes. And then come on right back. Yes. And keep moving forward. Can I just say. Yeah. Can I get an amen here? Yes. Like, <laughs> we did? need Leslie Jones in here because she'd be like, No. No. Hell no. <laughs> She'd be like screaming. Yeah. No, it did not need to play out this way. And it's so frustrating. But if we put, if we set that aside, that minor detail aside. <sighs> yeah, I know. There could um, be so much more kissing. There could. Yeah. This uh-huh. is why I'm so upset. I know. There could be a lot more kissing. <sighs> why isn't, why isn't there a bedroom scene with them? Like she gets a bedroom scene and like a, a, a negligee. We get bedroom scenes in every other... She gets other... PJs for every other random dude in this show. I know. And I know... No PJs for Jack? From a storytelling perspective, you have to prolong it. You have to keep that tension going. I hate that. Uh, I hate I the know. whole will they, won't I they. I hate it. But it's effective, clearly. Ugh. It's like... It's definitely oh, I've a thing. I've off whole shows for less. Like... <laughs> But it's only the strength of this show I, and yeah. and her well, their, that their chemistry is so good. No, but it's, it's like so good. But it's like but, you're both grown ass adults. <laughs> just what? Just do it. Just, just do it. Just get over it. I know. <sighs> I know. But that's what makes me love slash hate the show. I mean, I love the show. Yeah, it's all love. Yeah. No, but, it's all love. It's just 
It's just ah, uh, so maddening. It didn't plus, have to go this way. They have a shortened season. It's like, can we do a ninth episode? This is just like <laughs> hanging out at home and like Mr. Butler bringing them Turkish delight and leaving it outside the door for them. Like, I like this plan very much. You know? Yeah. I am completely down with that episode. Um, the movie. Okay. So the way they structure the final scene and she says, come after me. And then he's like, what did you say? And she says, it's a romantic overture. Come after me. And so they structure it in such a way as he might come after her. Yeah. I mean, do we, do we believe that that's a true That we're going to have to have a location budget for the movie. (laughs) Right. But also like when she said that, I'm like, but that's super impractical. He's got a job. He doesn't have that much money to come after you. But she does. She could be his sugar mama. What's she doing? She's supposed to come right back. Like she's just dropping off her dad. And in all the fan fiction, she gets embroiled in her family. Waylaid in love. Yeah. Because she has to deal with that. See, that's what it sounds like to me. It's like, oh, because because with this whole will they, won't they, it's never that simple. Right. It's the, oh, I'm coming right back. Oh, except she's been kidnapped. Except the depression. Oh, she couldn't get across the Suez Canal or whatever. (sighs) But she was supposed to come right back. So to invite him to come follow her seems kind of cruel. She could have just like in invited him to just be one of the many cat burglars who got into her bedroom <laughs> through the window. But he would have to go to such lengths to follow her. I know. That it seems sort of, I don't know, kind of rude. Like, why don't you just come right back? Was and... that payback for the telescope line? I wonder. He deserved it. Stupid line. <laughs> But it, I mean, it leaves open so many possibilities yeah. of, of where this goes next. Yeah. And fan fiction has uh, well, yeah. taken all of those opportunities. I'm sure. But also the movie, I'm so curious to yeah. see how they start this. I mean, I know she'll do be... Do you have any theories? I mean, I know, like, uh, I mean, you're a lot closer to this than I am. I don't. I mean, I know the general premise of the movie is Franny's in Morocco and she helps a Bedouin princess who's been like captured I don't that's about all I know and I probably got that wrong but it's so it starts out in Morocco or in the Middle East and I'm wondering why like did she fly as she was flying home did she go there is she on a dirty weekend with Jack (laughs) how does Jack get there because we know he's there at some point she fly back and pick him up and fly them together for their dirty weekend (laughs) he must follow her so that must happen, but yeah, I no, I don't. I I'm trying to not develop theories. That's actually something I'm actively working on because I want to be surprised. That's true. I want to just see what happens. There, I mean, every possibility has already been explored, and I would actually think it's hard from the film writer's perspective to not like read that stuff or to not let yeah. that influence the actual direction of the movie. Yeah. And Eric was telling me something about, oh, damn it, what show was it? Um, there was a really popular sci-fi show. and people, Firefly? Maybe. Where it, they it where it been, got canceled untimely and then they did no, the movie? No, it was something else. And people were writing fan fiction for it and they would write, they would develop entire plot lines and submit them. And so they had to have a separate 
person to like accept those um, oh, submittals so, so not that, to like taint. The, yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, the writers would not. Yeah, Cause then know. you're like, Oh, I know it. Where did I hear this? I heard yeah. this somewhere. Well, and then also yeah. the issue of like, do you credit the person who came right. up with it? You know, it gets right. real tricky. Yeah, so it gets thorny. they had a whole, but then, but then separate... there's that whole thing about like, like fan fiction is not sanctioned because of copyright stuff. And right. then like, yeah, that gets, it gets really muddy. thorny really fast. Uh-huh. So I, if, I think if I wrote for the show, I would have been very studiously avoiding reading. It's like being on a jury. Yeah, exactly. You have to sequester yourself. Exactly. And also like, you know, you can sleep at night knowing that you did not get, like, even if your plot line exactly matches the plot line of some. You invented that wheel on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like anything, like when a film comes out and you just don't want to read any reviews, even Mm -hmm. if, even if the reviews don't have any spoilers, I don't like reading anything ahead of time because I don't want my opinion of it colored by somebody else's. I love spoilers. I read I, them all oh, the time. I do. I don't care. I love it. I want to find out what happens so that. Well, I if don't it's know. Game of Thrones, I just go read all of the summaries <laughs> and stuff. But like for most things, like a film, I want to go see the film first, and then afterwards I'll read all the reviews and like all the dissection and everything and see what other people think. But I, I, I kind of want to go in with and form my own opinions. Mm. This is such a minor thing, but I love the little. What do you call that when they fade to black through the little pinhole? Oh, yeah. It's and like it's a, a little heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's such do. a very silent film thing. I know. But the little heart. I love the little that. heart. Yeah. It's great. Oh, but so sad. I was so sad when I finished this episode and knew that there wasn't anything else. I remember when I was first watching the show for the first time, and I was so like excited for season three, and I didn't realize at first that there weren't 13 episodes. Oh. Like, it wasn't until, like, the seventh one or whatever, yeah. and I was like, what? Wait, what? There's only, what? That's this a is, brutal realization. Oh, my God. There's, that's all there is? Right. I yeah. would have paced it so much yeah. differently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly that's how, how I, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well voiced. Good job, buddy. Yeah. I've had text messages from people who just finished it and they're like heartbroken no! yeah and they're like i don't know where to go from here but at least I don't they're know so do. much closer to the film than we were oh and my you gosh. were you started well, way before i did and also like the people who were watching it when it came out didn't know if the next season was going to happen because they were I think right. season two was questionable for a while yeah. and then it got funding and, and then, then season, season three, three was really questionable yeah so i i that would have been really hard yeah. so i got to blow through all three seasons yeah and they're Fairly, you know, it's a complete story. Right. Like, I got all of it. <coughs> like, so many series, I won't even start until they're all done. Right. I think now in our, like, binge-watching culture, that's a pretty What did we thing. do before when oh my we gosh. had to wait every what week? Oh, my we God. What did we do? We what lived I... that time. We actually lived during that time. I and I still don't know what we did. I don't either. What show are we watching? It was a reboot. Was well, it X-Files? X-Files, it... yeah. There was a show that I did watch when it was week to week. And now I can binge. And I don't. I was like, how did I, how did I How'd survive? you get through this? Yeah. How? Yeah. I need my opiate for the masses. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. My uh, standards have really changed quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of standards changing, I definitely remember shows that I was mid season on as I discovered Miss Fisher. And then I came back to those other shows. And you were like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. My standards had risen so high yeah. when I saw what could be done. Yeah. What women's relationships could, be, you know, look yeah. like. And a female character in the lead could be yeah. without, you know. I kind of having... felt that way about Scandal because I loved Carrie Washington in that. 
but then it just got so cray cray. Yeah. And I, I still... went back to it and I was like, ah, I did finally finish it. And it actually has the season. The series has a really satisfying okay. ending. I feel like it pulls it out, but it gets so bogged down for, I feel very guilty that I didn't watch Scandal and I it's like on my to-do list but it's not Carrie very high Washington up. is just so good. She's so good. Yeah. That's why I want to watch it. But there's so it. much bonkers business and yeah. it's completely insane. Like Madam Secretary was the show that I stopped watching. Oh really? And I really liked it and then I realized how incredibly ridiculous it was. The idea that the Secretary of State is supposed to be home for family dinners. With her kids. Yeah, and then like in Scandal, there's a character who's an incredible slut shamer. And ugh. and I can't and it I can't deal with her. Like she's so awful. Right. So, so, so awful. And then even like it turns out she has this she was in an abusive marriage and blah blah blah. And she still is like treating other women like crap. Mm. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. After I, the post the post Miss Fisher world, like I <laughs> I had an even harder time with that. Yeah. And, no, I didn't like in Madam Secretary that we she couldn't be her own person with a job. Like, that kind of job, you do not get right. family meals. And that's not even a job. That's like, it's beyond a, a job. It's beyond a job. Yeah. It's like your whole life. But we Like, still, you don't even get to be a private person. Like, you don't get to be a person with likes and dislikes and right. preferences. Like, you are, for, for that period of time, you are that job. Yeah. Right. And so the idea that, You don't like, get to just clock we, out. No. And, like, what bothered me is that we weren't comfortable with the idea of this woman who had kids able to just do her job. Right. Like, she still had, had to, to get be, dinner on the table. Yeah. yeah exactly. And I was like, no. I call. Yeah. Yeah. I call bullshit. And especially, and- like... We can do that's better. That's a high-paying job. She could pay somebody else to get dinner on the table for you her would. family. You like, would. like it was you absolutely would. You'd ridiculous. have to. It'd probably be you like would part to. of the deal. It would be. Yeah. Like it just made absolutely no sense, and I couldn't suspend disbelief because it felt like it was wrong. Like yeah. it felt like it was discrediting her ability as a woman yeah. in that very important role. You know, I gotta hand that to Scandal because they didn't do any of that. Like Carrie Washington, like people are people are bringing her the glass of wine. Like, Good. Uh, I have to I have to say one of my pet peeves with this episode is yeah. how they pronounce the word escapi. Oh, yeah, that jumped out at me too. Is that uh, just a re- it must be just a regional. Well, it's just got to be British or something, you know, British all I can think, Australian. All I can think right? of is that S K Oh, me too. I want an escapi. Yes. That just jumped right into my head. What Okay, so I don't know that I've ever said the word escapee. Is yeah, that what I've you said would... escapee. Yeah. Es- escape. Like, I can't, I don't even know when I would have used that word, but I would never. Last week, <laughs> one of three escapees from the jail. But escapee. Like, escapee. I can't, I can't, I can't handle it. Yeah. It's just a cultural difference. But every time I'm like, Ugh. It's like um, aluminum. <laughs> yes. Or schedule. Or pasta. I have one last thing. Okay. Um, I love the Wren Institute of Science logo. Like, yeah. it is like. Art Deco Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. That's, that's it. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, so it feels like there's a big, there's a lot of pressure on us here to wrap this up because we're not just wrapping up this episode. We're wrapping up our entire podcast. Yeah. Basically until the movie comes out, I guess. Right. Yeah. And well, then that's more of just like a little coda. It, we're wrapping like. up this portion of the podcast, which has been the episode recaps. Yeah. We also have lots of content from Australia. 
So there is more to come for sure. Yeah. But this was such a like important, I mean, this was where it all began for me. And so it's really hard to wrap this up. Yeah. But I, I don't know for me, I mean, kind of like what we talked about at the beginning with the fans, the listeners growing together as a fandom, as, as mostly women, I don't know. I feel like that's my takeaway from this. And it feels like it parallels in some way. I feel like dot. I feel like, I feel like the fandom is like dot. Yeah. You know, like, like we've all grown. Yeah. Like we had, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't have, we had these low standards for shows oh, with women in them. Yeah. You know, and, and here we are now we have like better self-esteem as consumers of media, better standards. Yeah. It made us brave. It yeah. made us happy. Yeah. Yeah. It also made me like, I don't know, less willing to take crap. Totally. So totally. Yeah. I feel like that's this been the like arc that. of the last three years in general is hmm. if you see the way social media has gone, where feminism has gone, how much more outspoken people have yep. become. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it has definitely changed. Not huh. like I feel like at least in my life as a woman, I'm like way less apt to be the peacemaker, the mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And, and I feel like that's sit a good idly thing. by. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. So I guess, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. But I also, I don't know. If I were to toast to anybody for this, I I just feel a lot of gratitude for this show, for the fans, for the writers, for every cloud. I, I feel like the toast is for all of those people, all of them. Everybody who created this wonderful world. That and is... everybody who's listened to us yeah. rant about it right? all this time. <laughs> And swoon over it. Yeah. Much swooning has yeah. been done. I know. I I didn't expect anyone to listen to this podcast. This was more an outlet for me. Yeah. And, and look where it's gotten. I know. Especially you. Look where it's like it, look where it's gotten us. I know. Yeah, it's been a pretty amazing journey. And uh yeah. I am sad this part is ending, but yeah. there is more to come. Yes. So Thank you to you for being my partner on this oh, thank journey. You, Mary. Thanks for letting me talk you into yeah. being my co-host. So to everybody who listens, everybody who created the show, to you, Mary, and to the future. And to you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.